Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our latest episode of our podcast. We are so glad you are here. We have a really special guest with us today from a title company, and she is going to talk to us a little bit about the top things that title companies wish that you knew. So when many people think of buying or selling a home, they think of pretty pictures and granite countertops and dreamy backyards. But what happens when you go under contract? It's not really something that we see a lot on HGTV. They don't really go into all those steps. It's just kind of, yay, we have an agreed to contract and we close, but that's not really what happens in the real world. So really when we go under contract, the the contract is sent to the title company and that is where we start to deal with all the legalities and complexities of actually changing the home from one owner to a new owner. And in Texas, most commonly we use title companies to help us bring the transaction to fruition. But there's a lot more to a title company's role in your transaction than just signing and notarizing documents. And today we have a seasoned guest with us that has closed countless transactions for my clients over the years. So let's welcome Nanette Williams with Alamo Title Company here in San Antonio. Welcome, Nanette. Thank you, Jennifer. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you. Good. Fantastic. Well, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got started in the title industry? Yes, there is actually a very long story behind how I got in the title business. I actually had a friend, a very close friend of mine back in 2006, who worked for a local title company and I I wanted to get out of the retail business and so I asked her all the time do you have um, you know any entry-level positions that are open that maybe I could come work for you Mm -hmm. and so after asking for a couple of years an opportunity presented itself and so I ended up getting hired on as a receptionist and I did that for a couple of months and then after that um, I was asked to get moved to the back to mm-hmm. assist an escrow officer. And moved to the back is a good thing in the title industry. <laughs> it was a good thing, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I assisted closers from 2006 to 2012 and then mm-hmm. in 2012 I started closing. Okay, fantastic. So that's been quite a few years then. Yeah, it has that been. You've been in it. Well, good and never looked back, right? Never looked back. <laughs> did that's you know right. what you're getting yourself into? I did actually okay. because I was pretty much doing everything for mm-hmm. the closer I was working for. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? I can do this. Yeah. And so I just took the leap and like I said, haven't looked back since. Fantastic. Well, would you mind just telling us, because I don't think a lot of people really understand what the purpose is of a title company in residential real estate. So maybe just kind of telling us basically what you guys do, which I know is a lot, but you can kind of Give us a summary. (laughs) I'll give you the short. Okay. (laughs) So um, for several years, I worked in the title industry, Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what type of insurance policies we were writing. You know, my closer would close a file, and they'd say, here, send this to policy. And I'm like, okay, I know what my car insurance policy is. (laughs) I know what a homeowner's insurance policy is. But I have no idea what title insurance is. Yeah. And so um, after a couple of years, I finally started to get my feet wet and mm-hmm. asked, I started asking questions, mm-hmm. you know, like, what is this for? You know, I started realizing, oh, my gosh, we actually handle hundreds of thousands of dollars every single day. Yes. And how cool is that? Right. And it's people's most expensive asset normally. The most expensive thing they ever buy is their house, right? Absolutely. Usually. I mean, Mm -hmm. if not, we might have other issues. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right, right. Yeah. Um, So to keep things short, I will just tell you um, from the things that I have seen in real estate transactions, the claims that I've either been a part of or have heard about, 
Um, I would never purchase real estate without obtaining a title insurance policy. Mm -hmm. And I would just say two of the most common types of um, policy claims that get paid out or have to do with property taxes, yes. which seems like such a simple thing, um, but really there's a lot of complexities that come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can maybe talk about a little bit about those later. Okay. And then um, parties that claim interest to properties. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody thinks they know who owns the property because of what the appraisal district says. Right. Um, but deaths, divorce, um, inheritance, you know, those all can create other issues that People would come is- out of the woodwork. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Well, and, and I actually hate I, th- I think it was a relatively recent change where they, they write optional now on the settlement statement or whatever they're writing it on. And I'm just like, it's not really, I mean, it is optional, but you really should have it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and one of the things about title insurance that I think is really cool is that, you know, you pay your car insurance every month, you mm-hmm. pay your homeowner's insurance policy once a year mm-hmm. or monthly. Title insurance is a one-time policy premium that you pay, and it covers you for the entire time that you own your property. Yeah. And to me, that's priceless. Right. Yeah. Especially on something so expensive, right? And you Absolutely. don't have to keep making that decision to pay it and budget it in and everything like that. Um, yeah. And same thing. I I probably don't see as much as you do as far as claims go and everything. I've only seen two claims in 16 years and one was property taxes, right? Something was misrepresented and then back taxes came into play and everything, but it was so simple because of course there was a title policy on it. And then the other was actually with my parents' home and um, there was an unrecorded easement Mm-hmm. that went across their land yes. and it became a major expensive multi tens of thousands of dollar issue. And, um, you know, my mom who's been an agent since the early eighties always said, Oh, whatever title insurance until it applied to her. That's right. <laughs> so, it happens all the time. Yeah. So it does happen. So it's definitely a legitimate thing. I think a lot of times people think that title companies, it's just where you drop off money and sign documents and walk back out and kind of aren't realizing the whole purpose of the the title company. So that's right. Well, um, so maybe you could just tell us what you feel are really the most common misunderstandings or even surprises that you see um, with home buyers and sellers interactions with title companies. Sure. So I would say the first um, and most important one, and I think you and Brennan had had visited about this Mm -hmm. on one of your last episodes, but you know, so many people rely on what the appraisal district says as far as ownership. And while we want to rely on that, um, in some cases, and in a lot of cases, that's not always the truth. Um, Texas is a community property state. So people assume that if you purchased a property as a single person, mm-hmm. that that's yours and yours alone, and you don't have to share it. Because it's only your name. It's only it's all in my name. The loan's in my name, and the tax appraisal's in my name. So exactly. it's mine, right? Right. So the moment that your spouse moves into that property, they have a homestead interest. And so with that, you know, the title company at that point would require that the spouse would join in on the deed so that basically what that does is it conveys any interest they could claim to the property and says that they're not going to because Mm -hmm. there's so many homestead rights in the state of Texas that protect against that. Mm -hmm. And our policy covers that. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful from an insurance standpoint as well. And I've seen people who have been, well, we've been divorced for 25 years and the divorce decree said that it was mine. So I'm the only one signing, right? I'm Correct. the only one showing up. <laughs> That's right. But And sometimes mm-hmm. I think, again, you and Brennan visited about this, but mm-hmm. sometimes divorces are not done correctly, especially the ones where there are no attorneys involved. Yeah. And so there's, you know, I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed and 
a lot of times when people are just representing themselves in a divorce, the thing the the documents are not filed correctly or there are missing documents and we have to go back to the ex-spouse to get signatures. And yeah. I know you and I have dealt with yes, that. Yes, absolutely we have. I mean, twice in the past 12 months we've had to have ex-spouses sign things and 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 they were very long ago divorces. Yes. <laughs> and the home was only in the county records as the single person's name, but we still had to get somebody else to sign, which can be difficult. So absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, I would say another common misunderstanding and I get this all the time, but property taxes. And so, um, and really exemptions on property tax accounts. Mm-hmm. So we often ask, you know, our sellers, you know, do you still occupy the property mm-hmm. or have you moved? And in some cases, I've got a file right now where my sellers purchased a property in 2020 and assumed that, that their exemptions just moved on their own to their other property. Well, they didn't. Yeah. And so what happens is, you know, somebody... And she's talking about homestead exemptions and over 65 exemptions and yes. veteran disabilities, all those. Mm-hmm. Right. So often I feel like people think we're being nosy. <laughs> But um, the reality is, is that we have to ask these questions because the appraisal district and the tax office can go in and backdate those exemptions on a property, which essentially creates a back tax bill. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when a buyer purchases a property in 2023, but they get a tax bill from, you know, years 2021 to 2022, who do they call? Yeah. They call us because we insured them on that. Right. So that's something that I, I would say even a lot of agents don't think about. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just how those parations work. And, and I think I get that a lot. Why do they need to know this? Why do they need to know when I moved? Why do they need to know my marital status? Why do they need to know if I bought something else? But you guys are not being nosy. You're just trying to catch the problem before we get too far down the line. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. So kind of true ownership of the property would be one. And, you know, again, title companies are tracing this back to when the property was acquired. So we need to know your whole marital history from the day you bought it until today. So that's one. And then the other one is just taxes and how those are. And and you guys can go on to the county website. It's, it's public information. It'll show you what your exemptions are on there. A lot of times if it says other, that tends to be an over 65 exemption if you see that on there. So um, maybe check on that and and either Nanette or I could could help you if you aren't really sure what it's saying your exemptions are and you have a investment property or something and it's showing a homestead exemption, you might need to give us a ring. So <laughs> anything else? I would say those are probably the most common. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what advice would you have um, for someone that's maybe thinking of selling their house in the next year? Anything that would kind of make their life easier as far as dealing with you and make your job a little simpler? Well, I'm actually really excited that you asked this question. (laughs) So as we know, Mm -hmm. um, our market, and I'm sure this is just across the nation, but our market is saturated with real estate agents. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone thought it would be a good idea to go get their license and that everybody was going to get rich and Mm -hmm. sell homes, right? Right. Um, And then obviously people have figured out it's not as easy as it seems. Mm -hmm. And there's actually work to do behind it. And so um, I'll answer your question in a minute about me personally, Mm -hmm. but for you as an agent, as a Mm -hmm. broker, um, I would say that people should really do their homework because 
of how many agents there are. Everybody knows a realtor. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Or three. Or three. <laughs> yes. So you have your neighbor, your friend, your cousin, your mm-hmm. aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your brother, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And so people tend to say, oh, well, I have, you know, so-and-so that I can use as my realtor. Mm-hmm. And so often I have seen this happen. And by the end of the transaction, there's been broken relationships mm-hmm. because people didn't do their homework. Right. So I would say if you are in the market to sell your home, find a good realtor, find somebody that's seasoned, that knows what they're doing, that's going to have your best interest and that can get you from start to finish, Mm -hmm. you know, smoothly. Yeah. It's a lot more than just opening doors for houses. Absolutely. That's like 5% of our work. That's the easy part, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Exactly. Anybody can open a door. Right. Exactly. Some agents pay other agents to open doors for them because that's not where the experience comes in. But yeah. That's right. That's good advice. Yes. Yeah. And so for me, I feel like if, if I've got a good agent that I'm working with that, again, knows what they're doing, and I've been in the business long enough that... Most of my agents are seasoned, and so that's why we make a good team, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But if I've got a good agent that knows primarily what I'm going to need for a transaction, then that alone makes my job a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and just being able to support when you are asking the nosy questions, being able to get your back on that. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, so thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Um, no, no, I think that would be my biggest piece of advice for somebody that's looking to sell their home. Okay. Just make sure that it's people that know what they're doing. And, and that's the thing too, with title companies, I think everyone thinks we just use our best friend for the title company. Of course we have to have a good relationship, but at the same time, we want someone that knows what they're doing. And, and that same advice applies to your lender too. I'll just say, and neither Nanette or, or I are lenders or married to lenders or anything like that. But same thing, you want someone who knows, um, the issues that can come down the line and can expect those before you get to a week before closing and have something mm, blow up. Most definitely. We've seen that too. <laughs> yes, we have. Okay. Well, if you don't have anything else for us, I just want to definitely say, um, that we really appreciate your time. Um, and we know you're a busy woman and we appreciate you spending your afternoon with us. And if someone would like to reach out directly to you, do you, can you share your information with us? Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Um, so I'm, my name is Nanette Williams with Alamo Title. I can be reached easily by cell phone at 210-838-4007. So either call or text. And then my email is Nanette, N-A-N-N-E-T-T-E dot Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S at alamotitle.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Jennifer.